Put paste and delay creates. Ten years ago, you couldn't tell me I would be able to run for two hours without eating. Now I can do that every day. I fell in love with training while fasted to the point where I started to slightly crack at the seams a bit. After midday headaches and general life bonking, I knew something was up. So after some accidental googling, I found out that my electrolytes were low due to my high sweat rate. Thanks, Mark Sisson. Problem solved. Maybe. If you want to find out if supplements and intermittent fasting will help you train better, then you should listen to this episode of Delay Creates. Don't master a lot. Don't master a little. Just stay in the middle. Don't master all. Don't master just, none. Just be, just be a master of some. What is up? I'm Darren, your host of Delay Creates, running for Masters of Some. The internet's most exciting endurance sports podcast. Through self-improvement, we help serious endurance athletes master some of their health, some of their fitness, and even some of their life, because it's all the same. And in being your host, you can trust me because I'm a lifelong endurance athlete that's ran a sub-three-hour marathon, completed an Ironman triathlon in 10 hours, and currently trying to break 16 minutes in the 5K. So I'd say I know a thing or two about most of the things that we talk about. Quick warning, we use some adult language and cuss a bit. Be mindful who is around when you listen. In this episode, I attempt to answer the very individual question if intermittent fasting during training is the right way to train. And I brought on Bachelor of Science nutritionist, ultra runner, and an all-around super cool food lover, Angela Roxon. And through the powers of the internet, came all the way from London, UK, to help me figure this out. What you learn in this episode? Should you consider running and intermittent fasting in your training? What supplements runners should and shouldn't use? the importance of iron and electrolytes for endurance athletes, especially women, the complexities of your metabolism and how what food you eat together influence your weight loss or weight gain, Angela's strong purpose and desire to help the black community understand diet and nutrition, a bit of history of how we got here with supplements, and more. All right, side note, let's quickly clear up the difference between nutritionist and dietitian. From my understanding, it depends on the country and even state and province you're in. But from a fundamental and universal level, Nutritionists typically work with individuals or populations to teach them more about general nutrition, food, and health. A significant difference between a nutritionist and a dietitian is that a dietitian can help diagnose and treat illnesses. All right, we got that all out of the way. Let's get back to the show. Warm up complete. Here we go. So, what are your initial thoughts on running and intermittent fasting as a uh, are you a registered nutritionist, or you you have a you have a BSc in nutrition? Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're very you're very expert level. So what are your initial thoughts on running and intermittent fasting? Um, so I've done a little bit of my own personal research on it, and I think it depends on who we're talking about. If we're talking about someone who runs recreationally and um, includes intermittent fasting um, for a specific reason, whether it would be for weight loss or maybe they're looking to enhance their performance that way, um, then my answer is different compared to maybe a more elite athlete who wants to um, introduce or or who uses intermittent fasting as part of their training. Um, And it also depends on what kind. So if it's the kind where maybe from the time you wake up to a certain time of the day, where you fast and then you increase your calorie intake for the rest of the day or if it's kind of a a whole day thing where you're 
completely reducing your calorie intake to 600, 800 calories, then again, my answer would be different. But I'd say for most people, it's generally they maybe don't have their first meal till midday um, and then they train in the time before that. Um, so from what I've seen, I'd say that um, there is some evidence that for most kind of recreational exercises that do steady state cardio like running, then um, it can potentially increase fat oxidation. So in terms of for weight management, it can have some benefits. But if your goals are performance related, um, then I think the jury is slightly out. But I would say for a recreational runner, um, I think long and hard about whether that's the right way to go in terms of um, kind of fueling your your running appropriately um, while you kind of a, a, a adapt to the, the business of running. Um, at the moment, I'd say most of the research I've seen isn't super conclusive. Again, you know, weight management, it's been shown to help to some extent, but you have to also consider fueling your workout appropriately. Um, for elite athletes, I think the um, weight management benefits become a little bit less um, e less easily observed. And most studies with elite, um, elite athletes um, are based on those who um, observe Ramadan. So it's usually people um, of a, like a Muslim religion who happen to be um, elite athletes who are generally used for these kind of studies. And there have been some slight um, indications that it can be performance enhancing, but weight management wise, um, the more advanced someone comes, the, the less the observation of um, fat loss is, is observed. So I'd say for, for the everyday runner, it's not really something I would recommend, but it's very much also potentially down to the individual and exactly what kind of running, how long they're running and the kind of intensities they're running at. So it's there are a few different variables in there for me um, in terms of whether it would be right for someone or not. There's something interesting I found with timing. I know um, that I got uh, I would get these headaches and then I realized salt helped. Um, then I found out actually that article I sent you that I wrote um, that, that actually things have kind of changed and it's it's around timing. So I thought it was salt. I thought it was, you know, sorry, not salt, um, electrolytes and, you know, magnesium, uh, potassium, calcium. Uh, then I ended up realizing it was a timing. So I wake up quite early and if I wake up and I don't train, so if I wake up at 5 a.m., don't train until 8, then, then I eat 9, 9.30 I will have been on, you know, let's say I stopped eating at 6 p.m. So that's 16, 17 hours. But because I woke up, you know, I, it's been four hours since I woke up. That's when I'd actually end up getting these nasty headaches. So the salt actually didn't work. But um, if I can train directly after waking up with salt, and I was training quite hard, um, and I, I was definitely pushing myself, I was okay. But as far as performance goes, I was probably underperforming. And whether it was 1%, 5%, I didn't know. And then if you're underperforming, then really, are you are you actually getting yourself better for racing? So it was what it's it's like you need to perform every day to get better for racing. You know, like for if I was just doing it every day, I wasn't trying to optimize for 
for high performance, then I'd probably be okay. I'd be like, yeah, sure. I don't have any headaches. You know, I'm, my blood sugar's fine. But um, I think, yeah, once I figured all that out, I, I do better with harder workouts, definitely with food. <laughs> definitely food in my stomach, especially the night before. And, you know, a few, few hundred calories, mostly carbs the morning of. Um, so, so, yeah, you, you, you've pretty much, me, me included, we've both blown my whole theory and hypothesis out of, out of the water. But um, I guess, you know, kind of touch on supplements. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of new studies claiming that certain supplements are actually beneficial, uh, glucosamine, fish oil, vitamin D. Um, and then there's a bunch of anecdotal and unclaimed studies. Like I, I read from some pretty, pretty big people with, with big, uh, visibility and they talk, they talk highly of, oh man, I just zoned out. What is it? It's, um, the collagen collagen. Yes. Collagen. Yeah. And they, they, they he, he, he wrote this big article and I won't say his name cause I love him and I don't want to put him on blast. Um, <laughs> We don't know each other at all. But he was like, oh, collagen's the best way to sort out your Achilles issues. And I was like, okay, that's anecdotal and it worked for you. But you're telling like millions of people that read your blog because it worked for you. And it's, it's inconclusive because they have not done it on a larger scale. And I, I've talked to a, a couple of you know, uh, physiotherapists and they're just like, Look, if it works for you, cool, but we're not going to tell you to do that. So anyway, that's kind of like the, the two sides. There's the, you know, the proper glucosamine and all that, that works. And then there's the collagen works and all these other millions of supplements that everyone takes. Um, what, what's your, I guess, first off, do you take any supplements? Do you use any supplements? And if so, what? Um, the only supplements, the only supplement I take is um, an iron supplement with magnesium and zinc. And that's mainly because my main sport is long distance running. And we know that particularly females are more prone to becoming anemic because of iron loss through the sweat, iron loss through the GI tract, um, and also iron loss through um, small blood vessels rupturing when your foot strikes down as you run. And also as you know, a menstruating female, we have the challenges of iron loss around that. So I mainly take iron supplements um for that specifically specific reason but other than that i don't take anything else um and i don't take anything else because i find that often um, um supplement the evidence behind supplementation is anecdotal like you've said and they're actually regulated in a way that makes me think it's very easy to sell a supplement off the back of the hype because a lot of them are sold as um like a therapeutic food or food-based item and not necessarily as a drug. So it's a lot easier to make marketing claims or to make claims of benefits that are not necessarily backed up because you can't get in trouble for, for doing that. So, um, and I think supplements also are very specific to the individual and the individual's needs. And um, often, I think most people, if I'm honest, that take supplements, don't really need them. Um, so, you know, sometimes certain supplements become fashionable in the running world or in other types of exercise. And there's that temptation to take something because someone you saw in an article took it and it helped them. Um, but you, like, just like you said, but you, you have to be a bit more discerning in the, the choices that you make because another thing is that supplements aren't cheap um, 
and often um, you end up parting with lots of money for something that A, may not be beneficial and B, you're not actually deficient in. Because I think that's the key thing with supplementation. Are you actually deficient in the, in that thing you're supplementing with? Because if you're not, then you may be just kind of wasting money in some senses. Um, and also you, you'll often find drinks that have added vitamins and minerals where you know, they don't really talk about the bioavailability, which is whatever goes into your gut, how much of that goes into your bloodstream and is delivered to the cells to do the function they need to deliver. You know, things have to be formulated in the right ways in order to be absorbed efficiently. It's no use putting lots of vitamins and minerals in a foodstuff or in a supplement if ultimately your body can't absorb it that makes sense so those are the things to consider but yeah I think a lot of people out there may potentially be over supplementing if I'm honest yeah that that's a um, great point it didn't even uh you spoke on a lot of a lot of amazing stuff um I just read an article that I shared with my partner about how women you know um with iron deficiency like it, this is all new because everything's new with women it's so sad that um we as you know with, with, it's like oh we didn't know this we were treating women like men like small men you know it's like you're just a small man let's give you this and it's like no everything is very different um so thank you for putting that um into awareness i'll definitely link that article i'll put that in my show notes um uh because there was an article by it was yeah, Training Peaks. Yeah, Training Peaks article on women. Um, so thank you on that. And then the bioavailability, that's that's huge. And I, you know, um, I think it's called thermo, thermo, you probably know this, thermocaloric intake. Um, so it's basically the foods around certain foods you eat will then influence how you, so, you know, if you eat certain certain foods, they'll help you digest the fat better and the protein. Um, so, it, it, you know, everyone thinks it's calories in, calories out. Um but it's actually way more complex in the way your genetics work. Um, and that, that blows my mind. And I just, I keep telling, you know, people, they're like, just eat less if you want to lose weight. I'm like, it's not that simple. You know, like for, for, for most people, some of the time it's kind of that simple. And if you want to lose, you know, maybe like a quick five, 10 kilos for most people. But I feel like when, you know, people are struggling and it, it's, yeah, it can get really crazy. Um, so I'm, I'm not the expert on that, but uh, you definitely are. So thank you on that. Um, just kind of changing gears to, your history, uh, what were the reasons for you to become a dietitian? Uh, sorry, sorry, nope, nope, not dietitian, a, nutri <laughs> a nutritionist. <laughs> um, so from a very young age, I became aware that a lot of um, medical problems that plagued particularly the black community in terms of um, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, um, were very much related to diet um, choices as well as lifestyle choices and genetics so for me it was about learning a little bit more about how um, I could kind of use my diet to influence my health outcomes later in life and the outcomes of my community and um, people around me you know my immediate family so that's that's kind of what brought my interest into nutrition how do you think we got here with supplements? Like, do you know the history behind them? Um, like, you know, the, I mean, you, you did touch on that. You said because it's a food, um, then it's not a drug. You know, it's not the it's not the COVID vaccine or whatever. You know, where it's got to go through strict trials. Um, so, so how do you think 
how do you think we got here? And I guess, does it even matter how we got here? Because it's pretty crazy. It's a bill, you know, multi-billion dollar industry. And, and it's a lot of hype, as you were saying. So, um, yeah, I just, I just, I, I'm big on history. I love it. It's like, how did we get here? So do you, do you mm-hmm. know, do you know mm-hmm. how that mm-hmm. happened? Um, so I don't know the specific history. I know that, um, in about 1912, 1915 is where vitamins became known as vitamins. Um, and then um, supplementation went from there. With a lot of things we've now adapted um, as healthy individuals, I would imagine it probably came from um, working with people with health conditions, um, maybe gastrointestinal um, conditions um, in terms of helping them become more healthy. Um, Because, for example, um, things like um, the keto diet um, was something that was designed for epileptics that became adapted to just as any other diet for apparently healthy people. So I would imagine um, supplements um, and taking vitamins and all all of those things would have come from maybe a therapeutic history and then became something for for everyone to to, to use. Um, But I feel like we're probably where we are right now because we live in an age of information. At the moment, everyone now wants to get more interested in their health. You know, people are out there getting their genetics mapped to find out what... um, um, health conditions they're more prone to you know people are reading up a lot more about what they put in their bodies so I feel like probably um, supplement producers have capitalized on that over the years and um, that's kind of how we got where we are now it's like running magazines and cycling magazines um, they they just they're like we have to talk about something so they talk about stuff that's like is this really helping anyone moving forward uh, how do you think endurance athletes can use supplements and I'll I'll preface that with uh something from a guy that I really Tim Ferriss I'll say him he's he's big on supplements and for our body and he said that um and this is he goes look a lot of people drugs and supplements have a bad rap and he said I'm just gonna say this when you eat natural foods I'm all about eating natural foods you don't know the amount that's going in your body but the thing is, though, like you said, the bioavailability, natural foods have all this going around them to where your body works the best with them. So I guess with that said, how can endurance athletes use supplements um, or do they not need to or is it specific per person? Very big question. Um, I'd say it's specific to the individual. You know, as we know, it's specific to gender um as i touched on before a female athlete is more likely to need um more iron um in their supplementation regimen but i feel like it's it's probably not the best way to go to supplement for the sake of supplementation for elite athletes or recreational athletes or just for the ordinary person working down walking down the street i'm very much into tailoring whatever supplement you take based on what your specific needs are um in terms of intermittent fasting i think again to some extent it's it it depends on the individual so for me for example i do intermittent fasting when i train purely by accident because my gi tract doesn't tolerate much food before i go out and do a long hard run so i will often run fasted 
because actually I don't want to be slowed down with stomach cramps or with bloating while I'm running. Um, and over time, my body's adapted. And I've also put things in place like making sure I get enough carbs in my meal the night before. And then I make up for my calorie losses later in the day. But that's unique to me. And that's why intermittent fasting but kind of by accident works for me because it has those very specific benefits. So I feel like whatever you do has to be very specific to you. And if you can afford the luxury of working with a dietitian or with someone that can prescribe your your supplementation or um, your diet to you, then by all means, go for that. But if 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 you can't do that, then do what works for you and you can only work that out by trial and error. Next section. Main set finished. Let's get to know our guest a bit more with the fun cool down segment called the, f- the, f- the five, five furious fast and furious fantasy. I'll be up in the gym just working on my fitness facts. Five fast and furious fitness facts. That's five Fs, too. I really like that. Uh, A.K.A. Get to know your local corner store master of some. Because, you know, we're just hanging out at the corner store. And you're like, I want to know more about you. This is what this this podcast uh, segment is for. Tell me a quick sentence that sums up your first run. Awkward. Very, very awkward. Um, didn't have the right kit. Um, didn't know what I was doing. Went out too fast. Like it, like it, in in a good way. You learned, you learned a lot. <laughs> All right, number two. What one thing do most runners get wrong in their day? Uh, sorry, in their race day nutrition. Um, I'd say the one thing most runners get wrong is um, grabbing the freebies along along the race. So. One thing I think is always a big mistake is introducing anything that you haven't trained with on race day. And often they'll have free jelly babies or gels you might not be used to or something you might not be used to that you might get desperate and grab and then regret it later when the tummy cramps come. So I think that's, yeah, that's something a lot of runners get wrong. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We've definitely all been there. It's like, ooh, what's this thing? And like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, what does Black Lives Matter mean to you as a black female endurance athlete? Um, I'd say as a black female endurance athlete, um, we're a minority within a minority. So um, I feel like sometimes it can be difficult to, to gain, to get people to gain understanding of the unique challenges we might face. Um, I feel like the running community is just that. It is a community and I've usually found it quite inclusive. Um, however, I think other people within the community probably don't understand the unique challenges that come with um, being black and being a female. Um, it's more about, well, you know, I, I'm accepting of everyone. So why do I need to understand any more than that? Um, so I think the challenge is to convince the people who are generally quite inclusive of the challenges we face in, in everyday life. And I think Black Lives Matter brought a lot of good conversations into the forefront. All right. Number four, pick one distance that you have to run for the rest of your life. And if you... If you don't, you can't run anything else. So it's kind of like you just have to run that one. 
for the rest of your life. So um, it's half marathon, marathon, or the ultra 50, 200K. Um, I would say um, half marathon, definitely. Half marathon, yeah. It's a good one. I feel like the half is perfect. The marathon, it's just everyone just blows up. Not everyone, a lot of people do. And it takes, it takes a lot of time to figure out how to run that race properly. Exactly, exactly. And I feel like with a half marathon, you can still challenge yourself and push really hard and not be broken by the training. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's way more practical. Yeah, I tell a lot of, a lot of people starting out, they're like, I'm going to do a marathon. And I'm like, how, how about the 5K, you know? Like, how, all right, half marathon, half marathon, you know? <laughs> so you've been anointed uh, a master of some. And basically what that means is that you're a generalist jack of all trades. Um, and, and I love it. And I think more people should lean into it. So I love to challenge jack of all trades, though, to focus on one thing. And um, it's more on the nutrition side because that's where your expertise lies. So it's a confusing world with f foods and such and, you know, supplements and all these things, vitamins. What is one and only one thing a runner should focus on in regards to their nutrition, their diets and supplement? So a general blanket rule. I know everyone is, uh, is different, but um, if, you, if you could have a big billboard and it's only about nutrition for runners, what would you, what would you say? Um, I would say focus on your carbohydrate intake simply because it's the fuel you run on literally um and i think not carb not all carbs are created equal and it's about taking the right kind of carbs for the kind of exercise that you're doing the kind of running you're doing so if you're doing an interval workout then the simple carbs that are going to get you through the, the speed work will will be good. And then if you're more of an endurance runner, then obviously the slower release carbohydrates will work better for you. So even though carbs are one food group, you know, they're not not all carbs are the same. So you have to tailor it to the kind of running workout you're doing and make sure you get the right amount in the right format um, because often for example runners will talk about carb loading and to a lot of runners it that means eat lots of pasta eat lots of whatever there is that has carbs in it and and often that can be a stumbling block on race day if all you've done is eat lots of pizza because the bread has carbs in it but then you forgot about the cheese and all the other stuff in the in the ingredients um, and then you might end up spoiling your plans on race day when the GI tract decides to rebel on you. So, again, it wasn't just about the carbs that you ate. It's the fact that a lot of fat came with the carbs, a lot of fiber came with the carbs, or there was lactose in there that maybe you, you didn't tolerate so well. So I feel like people really need to focus on the fact that food groups don't often exist in isolation. So while you're getting those carbs, think about what else there is that you're taking in that might slow you down a bit. <laughs> don't master a lot, don't master a little, just stay in the middle. Don't master all, don't master none, just be a master of some. Add break. Is the health and fitness internet too much sometimes? Too many conflicting articles and videos that confuse you on how to train and eat right? Or you don't have time to just read and watch everything about, I don't know, the new trends on carb cycling for trail running. Don't worry, we'll take care of all that for you. Sign up for our free email newsletter, 
three thing Thursday. We'll put three perfectly curated and created things in your inbox for better living and training. Go to delaycreates.com slash TTT. We do the hard time consuming work and scour the health and fitness internet's deepest and darkest corners. This is so that every Thursday you have a piping hot new email with the latest and coolest tips, tricks, tools, tactics, and skills. All so that you can train and live consistently to do dope shit in your next endurance event. If you sign up now, you can receive my quick guide on how to get healthy, stay fit, and use data to create habits that last a lifetime. That's delatecreates.com slash TTT to be inspired and motivated on the regular. Time. Time is a resource no one can make more of, so we appreciate you taking precious time out of your day to listen this far. Our goal is to show the world how to live better through running, cycling, and triathlon. The episode and many others have a transcription. Go to the show notes description to find out more. This was produced in Sydney, Australia, and I'd like to acknowledge the Gadigal of the Eora Nation, who are the traditional custodians of this land. I pay my respects to the elders, past, present, and future. I recognize their continuing connections to the land, waters, and culture. These lands were stolen and sovereignty was never ceded. If you like this episode, again, we'd highly appreciate it if you go on whatever app you listen to and make sure to follow d Creates Podcast. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Acast, and a bunch of others. And if you're feeling real loose, a rating, review, or share of this episode to anyone you know that would be into something like this would be amazing. The more people that hear about us, the doper stuff we can do to then help other people. And if that virtuous cycle continues forever, we would always be grateful to you. If you have any questions, concerns, suggestions for the episode of Hell, you want to be on the show, hit us up. The best way is to email talk at delaycreates.com. We're also on the socials, mainly Instagram at delaycreates, or you can hit us up wherever you can find us. Last, this episode of music were created and produced by Podpaste and myself. So if you like any of the music, you can add it to your device playlist by going to delaycreates.com forward slash music. Don't worry if you didn't get all that. There's a link in the show notes description. Thank you again so much for listening. Peace.